0: have a postcard today. Don't get these every day, but glad for this one. And this is from Frankenmuth, Michigan. Have you ever been there? Uh, That is such a magical place. It's known for its Christmas uh, ornaments and uh, little Bavaria is what it's called. And this is from Doug Binkley. Doug, thanks for thinking about us and all of your uh, travels across the country And uh, this spot is really special to Doug because it uh, was one of his wife's favorite spots, and uh, she's been with the Lord now uh, for a number of years. But Doug, thanks for thinking about us and reminding me of a special spot there in Michigan. We are in uh, Jeremiah chapter 26. I meant to mention this yesterday, but Jeremiah chapter 26 is one of my very favorite passages of Scripture because it really... Helps us to see Jeremiah through the lens of narrative. Because what we're going to find in verses, I think we're in verse six today, maybe verse seven, is we're going to find just this experience that Jeremiah goes through where his life is threatened. And it's important for us, I think, when we read the Bible and look at these examples in the Word of God to think and feel and enter into the emotions of what that must have been like uh, for somebody like Jeremiah. Remember uh, the Bible says in James chapter five, that we are to consider the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. And so as we look at people like Jeremiah, one of the prophets, one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. The Bible says that one of the things that we're supposed to glean from his life is, it is the patience and the perseverance and the things that he went through, and yet how God blessed him. It's, it's impossible, I think, at times to consider the experience of our own life objectively. Why? Because first of all, we're in the experience, so it's almost impossible to be objective about your own experiences. And then second of all, the whole story of your life has not been written yet. You, you don't know how today's experience or yesterday's trial, you don't know all the ways by which God is using that or will use that in your life in the tapestry that he's weaving. But as we look back at characters in the Bible, we can see objectively because it's we're emotionally removed, but we also see their entire life. And it's much easier to see the ways by which God can use a life in that context. I think about Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, when it says that whatsoever things were written aforetime, the the Old Testament, were written for our learning, that we through patience, that that's perseverance, and comfort, uh, that's encouragement, uh, from the scripture might have hope, uh, a greater confidence to live our own lives. So I think stories like these tucked away in the Old Testament help us to derive courage and hope and and perseverance and faith and objectivity about what God might be doing in our lives as well. So Jeremiah chapter 26, I said uh, yesterday that Jeremiah preached this message and he was in the temple court in a main place, probably the court of women. And preaching this message about the judgment of God and how if they don't turn, if they don't get right with the Lord, that this place, Jerusalem, and this place specifically, that the temple will become like Shiloh. And that was a stiff message. Why? Because Shiloh, that place at which the tabernacle had been located for 369 years, was desolate now, just a, a bygone memory. And now Jeremiah is saying that somehow, some way, that this place, Jerusalem, will be desolate? That That's impossible. Or that this temple will be destroyed? That's impossible. And keep in mind that Jeremiah is preaching this message at the very beginning of Jehoiakim's reign. So Josiah, uh, the king who had reigned for 31 years, remember he started when he was 8 years old, uh, died at age 39 uh, unwisely involving himself in that battle and died up at Megiddo but the the fact is that under Josiah the nation saw a turn back to God at least on the outside at least externally and so it didn't seem as if this message that Jeremiah is preaching had any real relevance uh, to the people, because this is at the beginning of Jehoiakim's reign. So this is probably not even a year or two or maybe three after Josiah has has died. So this just seems like a really harsh message at uh, the wrong time. So how are the people going to respond? Well, look at verse number seven. So the priests and the prophets... And all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. So although Jeremiah was preaching to, to everybody, the Bible splits them now into three groups, the priests and the prophets and the people. So we know the priests, they were those that were involved in the actual, you know, um, worship at the temple and leading worship and all the multifarious duties of the temple. But the prophets, who are they? They are men like Jeremiah, men who are tasked with studying and and knowing the word of God and preaching it to people. And so Jeremiah is surrounded now by the priest, by the prophets, and by the people themselves. What, what will be their response to this message that he's been preaching? Look at verse number eight. Now, it came to pass when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people, and that that the priests and the prophets and all the people took him, saying, Thou shalt surely die. Now, what a response. I find, first of all, in this verse, at least they let him get to the end of his message. So they did consider all of his message, and it's interesting because the Bible specifically says that Jeremiah preached all the words that God told him to preach. That's a good message. A good message is when a preacher preaches the whole counsel of God, preaches the entire message in its context. That's what Jeremiah does here. Remember, we talked about the fact that he didn't diminish a word. He didn't water it down, didn't take out the parts that were unpalatable. No, he just gave the whole kit and caboodle, didn't he? And the Bible teaches that when he was done with his entire message, that the people's response, the people, the prophets, the priests, all of them, uh, the response was so visceral that they said, we want to kill him. You are going to die. You're going to pay for what you've said. All Jeremiah has done is do what God told him to do. God said, go here. He did preach this. He did don't, don't leave anything out. He didn't. So Jeremiah has done everything that God told him to do. And the response from everybody is, you are going to die. Now, this probably should hearken back, at least in your own mind, to Jeremiah chapter one, where God told them, Jeremiah, I'm going to call you to this people. You're going to preach and they will not listen. But don't be dismayed. At their look. Don't be dismayed by their attitude. Don't be dismayed by their response. You just find satisfaction in telling people what I tell you to tell them. That's exactly what Jeremiah is doing here. Now, verse number nine they say to him, Why hast thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate? without an inhabitant. Why would you say these things? Why have you said that the temple's gonna be destroyed? Why have you said that this is gonna be a desolate place like Shiloh is? And you've said it in the name of the Lord. You see what they're accusing Jeremiah of? They're accusing Jeremiah of blasphemy. They're they're, they're saying of him, you have invoked the authority of God. That's what it means to speak in the name of somebody. You have invoked the authority of God and you've told us something that is absolutely impossible to believe. Now, the fact is he did tell them the truth. The problem wasn't in the message. The problem was in their unbelieving response. This was something so radical that they couldn't even begin to consider that it could possibly be true. Look at the end of verse number nine. And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. So this is one person against everybody. Interestingly, this was in the, oh, about six, maybe 606 BC, 607 BC, somewhere in there. Understand that, just 600 years later, another person would stand in this very temple, and he would be opposed by the crowd and the religious leaders. And of course, his name was Jesus. Look at verse number 10. When the princes of Judah heard these things, then they came up from the king's house unto the house of the Lord and sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. So the plot thickens because in verses 8 and 9, We have the priests, we have the other prophets, we have the people, and they have all stood against Jeremiah. And their intent is to bring formal proceedings against him. Their intent is that he will die. They are absolutely incredulous to the things Jeremiah has said, and they are absolutely opposed to the message that Jeremiah has preached in the name of the Lord. How dare you? is their attitude toward Jeremiah. But in verse number 10, a new group of people now enter the scene. And the new group of people in verse number 10 are the princes. So the princes are the political authorities, those that have sway. Now, what's interesting is within just a couple years, Nebuchadnezzar is going to invade that first Babylonian invasion. And the Bible says that some of the very children that are taken in that first invasion are going to be the children of the royal seed. So some of these princes, some of these important people that are standing against Jeremiah, disbelieving his message, their own children are going to be kidnapped. Their own children are going to be taken into an early captivity like Daniel was. So keep that in mind. But at this point, we have these political officials that are coming and joining the fray And watch how they respond to Jeremiah's message. Would you look at verse number 11? Then spake the priests and the prophets unto the princes and to all the people saying. So they weren't there. They didn't hear Jeremiah's message. They just know there's a a ruckus and they come to investigate this, this ruckus and the people now, especially the leadership, the priests and the prophets, they're going to inform the priests about the goings on. And it says in verse number 11, then spake the priests and the prophets unto the princes and to the people saying, this man is worthy to die. Is it interest, Is it not interesting that they, they start their retelling of the situation with their conclusion? This man, hey, he's worthy of death. We want to tell you from the get go, before we explain what happened, before we explain what said, we want to give you our conclusion. So they're they're pretty biased, aren't they? This man is worthy to die, for he hath prophesied against this city, as ye have heard with your ears. So some of the people that were within that that were there uh, could could give testimony. Hey, you all heard what we what we heard. You heard this man's message. He didn't equivocate. He told us that this city, this beautiful Solomonic temple, this beautiful courtyard, uh, this beautiful safe place with these walls, uh, this safe haven that we call Jerusalem, he said that this place is going to be desolate. This place is going to be destroyed. That can't possibly be true. Therefore, this man is essentially a heretic. Do you see how they're framing this? They're framing this because they couldn't possibly believe that this could happen. Wow, I want to get to the next verse, but we are already out of time. So all we did today was set it up. I put you right on the edge of the cliff. What, what's going to happen? How's this trial going to unfold? Is Jeremiah going to be tried? Will he be killed? Obviously not because we have 26 chapters left in this book. But you know, how does all this unfold? You are going to be amazed. I, I love this chapter of Scripture. I want you to hang in there with me. We'll come back to verse number, uh, let me say, verse number 11 tomorrow. And I hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.